Hello everyone and welcome to the eSports Performance Podcast, the place where gamers become athletes. If you're looking to level up your gaming abilities, develop the mindset of a champion and perform at your very best, then look no further. I'm your host, as always, Rob Dudek. Now let's get to today's episode. Hey everyone, in this podcast, we're talking about all things health, nutrition, working out, and of course, esports. Today's guest is a certified nutritionist and personal trainer. He is a casual gamer and a founder of Evolve, an up and coming health snacks and nutrition brand. I'm proud to call him my friend, and I'm certain you're going to get plenty of value from this episode. Up next, my interview with Dom Christie. Dom, hey welcome to the show. How are you doing, brother? I'm good, man. Love that introduction. Thanks for that. Yeah, no, no worries, man. I mean, I, I had to, you know, do justice by you because you're doing so many awesome things these days. Um, I know you're not particularly in the esports yeah. sphere these days, but you are a nutritionist and you are into personal development. So I think our listeners are going to get a lot of value from you. Well, you know me, I've got an opinion on everything, even if I'm underqualified. So <laughs> that's awesome, man. Listen, I want to start with something light. Um, because you and I have known each other for quite a while. And like, did you think that back in the days when we were dueling in FIFA and, you know, old school Modern Warfare 2, that esports and gaming will get as big as it is today? Yeah, it's, it's kind of crazy, isn't it? Um, I'm going to say no. Like, I never really considered it, which therefore means, I guess, I just didn't see it coming. I didn't ask myself the question. So, yeah, no, I didn't. But retrospectively, when we look back and we saw how, I don't want to say addicted, but how, like how much fun we had with the competition and everything about the gaming, you can retrospectively, you can see why it blew up the way it did. No, exactly. I completely agree with you. And, but the fact that it, it blew up so fast, it seems like even just like two, three years ago, it wasn't as big and now suddenly sneaked up on you. And as we see this massive growth in the industry, so what, what, what do you think? Do you think it's the competitive aspect that, that you know, made this whole industry kind of blow up? Yeah, I think um, it's, it's a weird one. Like, it's, it's hard not to enjoy gaming to some level. Like, mm -hmm. I think even complete amateurs, especially amateurs, you might say, there's, there's always a game for someone. So it's impossible. It's such a diverse category that it's impossible to not find something in gaming that actually you can have fun doing. So I think that's why you don't have to be, you don't have to get into like basketball or athletics at the age of five for you to stand a chance when you're older. Like you can get into these things, you know, a little bit later in life and, and actually make a success of it. Um, it's crazy how it's one of those things where most people probably start off with it as a recreational activity and then it later develops into something that they want to turn professional into and i find i think that's really strange because that you don't see that with many sports most sports there's an end goal in mind it's like i join a football club i want to turn professional especially at young ages whereas gaming it's it's one of those things where people can enjoy it enjoy developing themselves in it get a little bit better explore what they like and what they don't like and yeah some people are turning pro after that it's crazy no, it's very true. Although I think we're starting to see a shift where a lot of parents will, you know, start to encourage their kids to actually 
because they know there's money in it right now. So a lot of people are starting to, at the very young age, have that goal. It's like, oh, it is possible. Because back when me and you used to play video games, being becoming a pro wasn't really an option. So we we therefore just played it to enjoy it. But I think there's starting to be a culture of you know parents or whether young kids who are like, oh, this is this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. You know? Do Do you feel like we're at that stage with parents yet? Because I mean, I'm just going by by my parents. They they would flip if I'd ever said, even now, if I said I wanted to get into gaming, they just don't understand it. They see as it as purely a pleasure driven activity. Whereas kids are making millions from either competitive gaming or, or streaming. And from my experience, I don't know if parents are some parents might be there yet, but mine definitely aren't. <laughs> No, I I completely agree with you. It's not a very big percentage of the population. Most parents do not treat gaming as a real profession these days. But there is a small percentage of them. Uh, you know, I, I see a lot of parents who who would reach out to you know coaches to to get their kids to to do better. But it is it is a very small percentage of the population. Um, but I mean, it's no wonder, right? Like the older generation didn't grow up on this uh, type of environment and they didn't that that wasn't a viable you know source of source of income i mean <laughs> a lot of parents are still opposed to kids not going to university yeah no it's so true and i, I suppose the the forward thinking parents that are open to these things that do not push their kids but let their kids explore this crazy new world the parents that do do that are going to be the parents of the kids that might actually stand a chance of making money from this and, and you know, having a full-time career in gaming. I think the parents that are closed off, it's, it's hard for the kid to battle against that, I'd, I'd imagine. I've got very supportive parents here. They push me into sport at an early age, and I think that's, that's kind of in the norm now for kids to get into sport or, or an instrument or something at a young age. But for parents to be, in my opinion, open-minded enough to let their kids really take gaming seriously, then... Yeah, I think that will be, that, that's the future. That's where the kids that you see are at the elite level, just like athletes. Really, it stems from their parents being open to it and, and encouraging, if anything. 100%. Um, so nowadays, I know you're busy running your business, but do you, do you still have time to play some games? What games do you double in? Oh, hell yeah. Um, yeah, I, I think at the... At the early stage of the business, I was thinking every single moment of my day needs to be productive, right? At least that's what Gary V and Ty Lopez says. You gotta gotta work hard, and you've gotta you gotta make sure you're constantly grinding. But actually, I'm more productive when I spend more time doing things that I genuinely enjoy doing, and that kind of gets me out of this this world a little bit. And gaming is 100% one of those things. I, there's nothing quite like leaving your little business bubble and having a raging game of FIFA um, and wanting to, you know, like throw the remote out the window. There's nothing quite like that. And then it may be frustrating, but I I get the blood pumping like nothing else really does. And then that's it. You're kind of fresh enough, I guess, to, to get back to what you want to do in the day. Yeah, that's actually very interesting. So I was, uh, I was doing a, a post yesterday actually about how video games help you uh, reduce stress um but which is quite interesting because the science behind it is is quite mixed there's some studies which 
say that, oh yeah, you know, it relaxes you, it helps you to think about something else. But then there are the studies that exactly like you described, oh, I want to throw the controller out the window. I'm so furious. Um, do you find that, you know, video games help you relax? I, I, I don't know if it's uh, for me relaxing. Like, I don't know if it's the same for you. It, it's, it's more about escapism, I think. Mm -hmm. It does a great job of getting you out of that environment. And whether I come out of a FIFA game thinking, oh, Dom, you're a genius. That was the best game you've ever played. Congrats. Or whether I'm thinking, I want to kill that guy. I'm going to hunt him down and I'm going to kill him. Like, you, you, after 15 minutes, you kind of come back down to baseline. So whether I feel more stressed afterwards or less stressed, I think it's just that, that 10 minutes or 15 minutes or hour of escapism that I think is really, really vital, um, especially for me at, at the moment. 100%. Do you think it depends on whether you're losing or winning? <laughs> Definitely, yeah. As I said, like, I, I might have a second game if I've won the first one, but rarely is that the case. If, if I've lost it, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm out of the room. PlayStation controller on the floor. Yeah, it's, you don't want to see me after a, a raging FIFA game. Definitely not. What about you? <laughs> That's what so you like? interesting. Um, for me, it's the opposite. Like, I, I don't want to end on a losing streak. So I'll play and I'll be furious until I win and then I quit. <laughs> that must be why we had so many games one after another. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> we, did, we did have some good battles over the years. Do you think you're going to invest in the PS5? Ooh, that's a hard one. Um, I, honestly, this is, a bit of a, this is a bit embarrassing, but it's only been pretty recently that I've actually invested in PS4. So that was enough of a jump. When I went from playing what I thought were pretty cool PlayStation 3 games um, to, to some of the you know, more up-to-date PS4 games that we're currently, everyone's currently playing, um, yeah, like I, I, I'm quite happy right now waiting for the price of the PS4 to, uh, PS5 to come down, continue with my little PS4 um, and, and see what happens. But it's the same with FIFA. Like I don't intend to move up to the next FIFA until it's a lot cheaper than it is and lost a lot of the hype, you know? Oh yeah, a hundred percent. The prices and the quality that you get these days is absolutely ridiculous. They make the same game every year. They, they, they charge, you know, 70 quid for it and they expect you to just be okay with it. Yeah, a hundred percent. I mean, some games you can see genuine innovation. Like the, I played Last of Us pretty recently mm -hmm. and Oh my goodness, like that was, that was, I, I know it's very controversial, but that was a game that I just enjoyed on so many levels. And if, if The Last of Us 3 came out tomorrow, I'd buy it, even if I've just finished The Last of Us 2. But yeah, FIFA, you're playing the same game every time. Like it's actually hard to think about how FIFA have really done it in the past. Like how have they made exactly the same game every single year with pretty much like what, a 5% change every year probably? And yet they still charge 50 quid. I, I find that amazing. It's crazy. That's, that's interesting. So it's for you, the novelty is what attracts you to a new game rather than doing the same thing over and over again. Yeah. To some extent, I mean, like I said, I, I still do play FIFA. I'm one of those kind of people that I'm always um, shouting at FIFA about how bad it is, but I inevitably still will buy it at some point. So <laughs> I, I do enjoy... The, if, if they started completely changing the game, obviously I'd be really mad at that as well. But I just find it strange that it's every year. I think they could probably make it every like two or three years, maybe. Mm -hmm. um, but 
no, there's, I think there's, there's aspects of different games that I enjoy. FIFA, yes, it is repetitive. Um, I guess that's part of it. You, you buy into that, don't you? All about you. Um, no, I see. So I was watching a documentary on Netflix, actually quite good, about uh, how Riot started League of Legends. Mm-hmm. And one of the kind of unique aspects at the time that they had in their game was we're going to create this arena that is going to look exactly the same every single match. And you're going to be able to do the exact same things every single match, match just with different characters. And that was the appeal of it. And a lot of people didn't understand that. They were like, well, but you're just doing the same thing over and over again. But it's that mastery is that, you know, I'm doing the same thing over and over again, but I'm going to be better every single game, like training towards something, you know? And that sort of thing that really appeals to me. Yeah, my my little sister and I, a bit of an overshare, we we still play Overwatch to this day. I don't think Overwatch has changed in the years that it's been out. They'll sometimes add a new character, but the maps are the same pretty much. The the game structure is the same, like you escort this payload to a destination. The games are so repetitive, and yet that's exactly how the players want it. And you can you can really tell who who invests a good amount of time in it, not just in, I don't know, they've got these cool skins or they've got a golden gun or whatever, but they can, I think they enjoy just dominating the match. You know, they're just really great. It, you've got like 20 or 30 different characters that you can choose from. And yet we all go for the same character every time because you want to get the best at being that one character, right? Yeah. Do you ever watch um, Overwatch League? <laughs> I'm not quite there yet. No, I think... Uh, like I said, if you ask my little sister, probably. Um, now, I, I like to think that I'm the best at the game, even though I know I'm absolutely <laughs> the best. So if, it, if it's going to knock my confidence, I don't want to watch it. See, well, the reason I'm asking is because um, they've, they've been having, well, they like to deny it, but they've been having some um, drops in viewership in Overwatch League, and they like to deny the fact that they're, they're actually retracting in growth, but less and less people are actually watching it. And some people in the industry are asking whether Overwatch will stay as a popular esports event uh, in years' time. Because they're actually managed you know, by the same company that, that does um, uh, Call of Duty. But it, it, it's not the same. The viewership has been going down year after year. And even people who, who play it, like you just said, like, like yourself, you don't, you don't really find it appealing to actually watch it, do you? No, yeah, you're absolutely right there. I, I really hadn't thought about it. Um, some people love just watching games anyway. I, I, I can't watch other people play because I get so annoyed at like, what I do differently. And I, I don't know, I, I find it more frustrating than anything else. Uh, and I feel if I'm going to invest that time in watching a game i'd rather be doing the gaming myself that's my opinion but yeah i think especially with things that don't change that much i'm, I'm all one video i will watch is there's a few like fifa gamers that i do follow that mm-hmm. they will walk me through the um the actual game itself very early on so when fifa 21 came out i was first to jump on those videos uh to see you know what's changed in fifa 21 but then i guess the novelty does wear off and you kind of see what you need to see and then you decide whether you want to buy it or not. And at least for me, that, that's as far as it goes with watching games. Interesting. Um, 
So FIFA 21, actually, they had this uh, online event the other day uh, called uh, FIFA 21 Challenge. And right. um, I didn't watch it, but I've heard that it was like, I think celebrities uh, or sports celebrities joining with famous like FIFA players to, to like play in a tournament. And I know you're a Liverpool supporter. So Trent Alexander-Arnold, he, uh, he won it together with F2 Tex. I think that's his, that's his, that's his, that's his name. Um, the guy who plays for Fnatic, he's like the, one of the best players in FIFA right. in the world. Um, yeah, so they actually won it. So, so this is what I was going to ask you is as a Liverpool fan and as somebody who enjoys playing FIFA, do you think this increases the appeal of you watching those matches if they bring in you know celebrities or some sort of um aspect outside of the game that might make it more appealing for for people who actually follow other things outside of the gaming industry almost almost definitely uh, i'm not sure why though but using the example you just did straight away i, I was thinking yeah that's a video i'd watch and that would be the difference between me if it was on Facebook, clicking on the video and, and scrolling past it, I guess. Um, maybe people are attracted to familiarity, mm -hmm. perhaps. That's what it is. So if I saw, uh, you know, Arnold's face pop up, I might think, oh, yeah, go on then, I'll, I'll watch that. But I don't know how or why my brain is wired to respond that way. Maybe, you can, maybe as a psychologist, you can tell me. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm sure... Um they'll be able to tell you because they actually recorded like record high numbers on this. So whatever they're doing, it is working. Wow. Um, but actually I wanted to take a step back and kind of delve more into your industry, you know, more nutrition based. I want to really provide value to the audience. So I want to ask you, what are some of the most common misconceptions that people have about your industry and about health and nutrition in general? Yeah. Um, so the world of, of health and nutrition is extremely conflicting uh, and it's very confusing and also misleading to some extent. So I think people can, they'll spark an interest in nutrition and unfortunately after doing a little bit of research, they'll come out of it so kind of confused and bewildered that they just, that's, that's enough information for them to just avoid it completely altogether. So I think um, we're, we're very, it depends who you follow, really. I think it's very much social media driven these days. You can follow a big influencer that unfortunately doesn't know a huge amount about the science of nutrition and, and the relationship between nutrition and, and the human body. And yet they'll still have a very influential uh, opinion out of it. And I think it's so easy for, for you to see someone pop up on your timeline that has read one article from men's health or wherever and men's health has found you know that research from a bit of a dodgy part of the internet it's very easy to be misinformed in nutrition as it is with every other thing on the internet so for example i'm always still very confused as to why we pay so much attention to to calories in the industry um, Calories does have a place in understanding the human body and it's like I said the relationship with food but like we're, we're living in 2020 it's it's like we've known about this for a long time and the research has really 
almost torn the arguments apart. And the conclusion's been said that calories really don't mean that much. And yet the, the government still listens to, to the idea of calories as being the most influential. Big magazines still consider it the, the biggest, most pressing issue. Um, so it's, it's strange. I think, yeah, it's, it's very much about the source that you, you listen to, but it, it's so easy to be misled because not many people really know what they're talking about. And the people that do have an opinion, it's usually based on other people's opinion and whether they know what they're talking about. You know, it's, it's like this whole chain. And I, I think it's very confusing at the moment. Oh. A hundred percent. I mean, that's what happens in psychology as well. You get somebody who publishes a study and it's not particularly um, valid study. And then, you know, these newspapers get a hold of it. They make a headline and somebody reads it and they spread it on YouTube. And it's, it's a whole thing. Um, but to go back to your point about uh, calories. So the number one thing I hear about calories, right, is that, oh, in order to lose weight, you have to be in a calorie deficit. That's like the number one thing that every YouTuber tells you, etc. Yeah. Does that not have any truth in it? So calories do exist. Um, I've worked with clients in the past and they want to they lose weight, for example. And immediately I say, although I'm going to tear the or try and tear the calorie argument apart. Like they do exist. They are a thing, not something you can see under the microscope as such, but they do, they are a representation. They're kind of the energy currency of the body. But in terms of real scientific terms, a calorie is the amount of energy required to heat one milliliter of water to one degree Celsius. So if you tell that to someone, they would immediately put their hands up and say, I have no idea what you're talking about. And yet, with no one knowing that what that means yet it's still gospel in the industry that's that's the problem and the fact that it's taken as gospel and people will literally count every calorie that goes into their diet or at least think they are it it just means that so much emphasis has been put on that that people have kind of lost the point so for example um the the biggest problem is that um a pizza for example might say on the back that per pizza if you buy a stuffed crust pepperoni from morrison's it's 1091 calories so you might go on your fitness app and you will track in your 1091 calories however what people don't realize is that the government actually allows what we call a flexibility margin of 20 percent which means legally for that for, for morrison's to label that pizza as 1091 it could be 20 percent above or below and no one actually knows that and yet for people taking it as absolute gospel and you'll hear i don't know jane boast about how she's 21 calories underneath her her target for the day yeah it's actually very difficult to count properly that that's the biggest issue is people have really built into our culture calorie counting but there's no real way of doing it accurately that's a big problem so what do we do instead? Say I'm somebody who is, you know, a gamer and I'm kind of afraid that, you know, I've been sitting in my chair for too long. I'm getting kind of chubby and I, I want to get in shape. I want, I want to lose weight. Instead of counting calories, what should I do? Yeah. So first of all, think less about calories and think maybe more about just energy generally. So naturally, if you are sat down a lot, you're expending less energy than say a, 
an athlete in uh, I don't know, does long jump, for example, when they're training, they're expending calories through, through their muscles, right? Really, whereas when you're sat down and you're gaming, although the brain does expend around 600 calories, sorry to say it, a day, uh, it's still not sufficient for you to be eating a consistent large amount of calories or, or energy um, and getting away with it. So I'd say for, for gamers, they need to focus more on consistency in their diet. They need to understand that their body expends less just energy generally. Um, their basal metabolism might be a little bit lower. So you need to think about ways of balancing that. Now, the best way to do that is to, first of all, find ways to, to boost that metabolism so that your expenditure is still up. So it's partly about the time that you'd spend outside of gaming. Just trying to be on your feet is a really good one, but then also making sure that you're exercising and uh, getting plenty of sleep and then following the right nutrition outside of that. So uh, a huge problem that I'm facing with diabetics, for example, and we can treat this with the same example, is that people spike their sugar far too much in the day. It's actually the sugar spikes that causes the most amount of damage when you get these fluctuations. So in short, if, if I could tell anyone that sat down quite a lot in the day, if they can try and control their blood sugar a little bit better, they'll find that their performance is better, they run less risk of diabetes, less risk of uh, putting on weight, and they'll just feel like they have a lot more energy throughout the day. Okay, so what would you say would be a good nutritional regimen for a professional esports player? Because it's one thing to say, oh, you know, like control your blood sugar level, etc. But for a lot of people, they, they don't really know what that means. You know, they don't know what type of foods will spike it up, what sort of foods will keep them level. What are some concrete examples that you could give to a player like that? Yeah, great, great example. Um, great question. Sorry. So um, there's complex ways of saying it and there's simple ways in short. Anything that is whole and unrefined is unlikely to spike your blood sugar or any other hormones, for example. Um, so trying to just as a general rule, stick to foods that haven't been processed or overprocessed or industrialized will immediately have positive effects. So that's, that's one thing. But when you look at the specifics in terms of what that means and how that translates into real foods. Well, that just simply means if you can cut out fizzy drinks, if you can cut out juice, if you can cut out, you know, sweets and granola bars, that will have an immediately huge effect. If you want to go further than that and think about the quality of the foods that you are eating, I'd say trying to eat foods that are high in fiber will be super important fiber kind of coats sugar molecules in food and it slows the absorption which means you're less likely to have that that spike and it's more likely to be a, a slow steady release into your blood sugar into your blood um plasma sorry so high fiber foods trying to find low sugar foods and unrefined foods i would say will have the biggest overall impact there's lots of nitty-gritties as to some foods such as porridge that work very well in, in keeping you quite stable with your blood sugar, uh, making sure you're eating plenty of fruit and veg, keeps that fiber intake up in the day. Those are the, probably the most influential things that you can do in your diet. What about the time of the day that you eat? Does that have an effect, uh, not only in time of the day, but also time in terms of, uh, what about 
is there something you should avoid or have right before you're about to compete or before you go to sleep, etc.? Yeah, um, I guess you could look at this the same way that you'd talk to a, a, a sporting athlete that does, let's say, basketball. You've got to think about your time before the competition and then the time during. So if we're talking about that, that pre-season, then you need to be finding a way to create that balance in your body, which means having a good balance of protein, fiber, as mentioned, complex carbs, um, and healthy fats. So a lot of the work will be done before competition, but then during competition, if you've got, for example, a it's performance day or you've got a competition, then on that day, you can start to think about the little things that will just give you that extra edge. Um, so carbohydrates, for example, are a good example of uh, your, your body's preferred macronutrient for energy. So if you were to have a high carbohydrate, complex carbohydrate meal, about an hour, maybe two hours before a competition or some really intensive training, then yeah, for an athlete, that would be really, really helpful. You've got to think about it in terms of, for gamers, there's a lot of work to do in terms of their, their mental performance as opposed to just physical performance so you're not just trying to supply your muscles with glucose you're trying to supply your brain with energy and that's where micronutrients really come in so for gamers i'd, I'd really encourage like i said having lots of fruit and vegetables that are high in vitamins and minerals and vitamins and minerals are, are part of the process for creating energy in the first place that your brain can feed off 100 percent. and then what is your take on supplements because Right now in the gaming industry, you see these companies pop out like everywhere talking about, ooh, you know, gaming drinks, gaming chewing gum. There's even gaming eye droplets like, oh, these will give you a boost, you know, take these with, you know, vitamin D and whatever. Do, you, do these things work? Is it, is it worth investing money in supplements like that? Another controversial topic, really, and it's like, such a great question. In my opinion, I don't want to ramble on about it. So I'm going to say, in short, my opinion is there is absolutely no replacement for real food. If you think about it in terms of how your body has evolved over time, you have been exposed to, to food and you've created this relationship with food over the last 100,000 years. Your body recognizes that food. It knows how to use it to its advantage. Whereas supplements have really only been around for 10, maybe 15, 20 years. Your body is still really recognizing what on earth it should do with this pill or tablet that's just entered the gut. So it's very controversial whether vitamin supplements are utilized and digested in the same way that real foods. So at the end of the day, any company that's trying to sell you something like, you know, a quick cheat, it, the easier alternative is just stick with the food you know uh, and you you really can't go wrong um i couldn't agree more that's that's what i've been telling everyone um i'm gonna put you on a spot here though a little bit um what do you think do you think um it's immoral then for these companies i'm not saying immoral but do you think it's wrong for these companies such as you know red bull energy drinks and all these supplement companies to be you know sponsors or owners of certain teams do, do you think that is okay because it does paint this sort of perception of like, oh, that's what pro players do. That's what we should be doing. 
I think it's down to, it's very clever, the marketing that goes behind, for example, Red Bull. So what I would say is, okay, if you are a professional athlete and you drink a Red Bull, it may have positive effects right before a very intensive match. The problem is that no, I'd say 99.99% of times that people will drink Red Bull, it's not for that reason. And people try and convince themselves, for example, if they have a Lucozade while they're working, that it will top up their blood glucose and, and they'll do better because of it. But that's not how it works in the, in the real world. And I think they are very clever about telling people that it will have a beneficial effect, which it will at the right time. But 99.9999% of the times that you do use it, it won't have that same effect. And if anything, it will have a negative effect. That's really my opinion on it. Uh, but that's just down to clever marketing at the end of the day. And, and every, especially food business that's really successful has learned how to master that. Uh, I agree 100%. And what I've, been, what I've been telling everyone a lot of times is uh, what I've heard from other performance coaches, uh, especially the ones who are working with gamers, is that professional gamers do not actually drink that much caffeine, which is, you know, like kind of like why all these energy drinks kind of give you a boost and you, you have a great um, session after is because of that, you know, high caffeine, it gives you this energy. But then in the long run, it does more trouble for your system uh, than good. Like a lot of professional players will actually have, you know, like either coffee or an energy drink, or whatever, but only before competitions and not on regular basis before their matches before their practice and i think that's something that's not talked about in the industry where like what you eat and what you drink what you consume during a competition or just before is completely different than what they do on regular basis uh during practice correct me if i'm wrong no absolutely right no i, I really that, that hits hard because um this is this is just consumerism right there is actually the reality of food and the food industry is that the, the majority of products that are out there, we don't actually need that. They're, they're there because they create a certain emotion when we eat them or drink them or even just see them. And that's really what these food brands are selling. So we come back to supplements or, or products with caffeine in it. We don't, we know we don't need them and, and anyone drinking them knows they don't need them, but they, enjoy the emotions or that emotional response they get from the caffeine kick which is oh you know i'm feeling energized or whatever else it might be that feels like they get, get that edge that's the emotion that it's creating so that's really what you're paying for um the the athletes that have really hacked it know that and they'll rely on just good wholesome food to keep them um nourished before a competition during regular training after a competition they don't rely on any supplements because we've we haven't to be at the top of our game as a human we've never relied on supplements we've never needed these different crazy cool drinks that offer you the world so why really should this be any different now no that's a, that's a very good question and a lot of people are talking about uh, these, you know, going back to the roots, like, look what we used to do before. Um, I think a lot, we need to really listen to 
what we used to do. There's some sort of a perception that because, you know, athletes these days are even better, that it might be because of these new supplements, because of these new things. But actually, um, it's, you know, what Ty Lopez call, calls uh, whispers of 10,000 generations that we do need to, you know, utilize the things that were working even 10,000 years ago because our bodies haven't changed that much since, have they? No, that, you're right. That that trying desperately to keep up, I think. But there's so many there's so many different tablets that you could be taking. You really question: Do I really need all this to just be a regular functional human? You know, why why have I only started needing this in the last five years? Why haven't my ancestors needed this for the last hundred thousand years? It's questions like that that Red Bull that you obviously wouldn't <laughs> like to comment on. But I think anyone looking for just a healthier lifestyle doesn't need to go further down that route of finding the most advanced, most scientific, the coolest new supplement. They need to kind of tread back and literally look backwards in time. What did we do then? Um, and take that as a better example. Yeah. And just to hammer this point home, it's a lot of people think that this you know, new drink, this new supplement, whatever, is the thing that's going to make a difference in your performance. But the truth is, you know, 90 to 95% of your performance is actually depends on all these other things that you're doing and not necessarily that new drink you're going to get or that new keyboard that you're going to get. Those are just micro, you know, things that are going to make a small difference, but not nearly enough that you need uh, to make that jump to a pro player. Can I ask a, a question, Rob? I want to yeah. get your opinion. Um, so to some extent, I think people in the food and fitness industry, they, they know a lot of the time that these things may or may not work, but it's kind of the, the what if scenario, a bit of a placebo effect. Do yeah. you think that actually people are, say a gamer that buys a particular drink that promises this benefit, do you think they're actually paying for the confidence boost as opposed to the performance boost? Um, I think it's a bit of both. And I also think there's a big pressure from other professional gamers and the, the industry as a whole that there's this image, right? That if you're a professional gamer, you have this amazing setup, you have to buy all these, all these things. And as somebody who's, who's entering the space, you know, like you're young, you know, like most, most of them are, are teenagers. And it's just that all these cool things that you think might make you perform are also not only might give you a performance boost, but they also kind of expect it, right? Like, because you're in that space, there's this pressure that, oh, you have to get all these things. Now, this is, this is the lifestyle that you have to lead, you know? Like, it's a similar thing of, like, people who go to the gym suddenly think they need to, you know, invest in protein shakes just because they're going to the gym, you know, because that's expected, you know? That that's the sort of lifestyle that you chose to lead. Yeah, definitely. It's like, it's like that, the association that the brands have built. It's, it's not people that have built it. It's the brands and the companies and the collabs and the sponsorship deals that have built these associations like Pure, Pure Gym, for example, uh, you go on the Pure Gym website and they'll direct you immediately to this whopping discount from Muscle Foods. Yeah. And people feel, okay, wow, I need to buy 
50 quid's worth of chicken. Otherwise, I'm not going to get as big as I wanted. And, and actually, you know, that's not the case. And actually, especially when it comes to supplements, they're just not necessary. But the brands will try and tell you that they are necessary. So if you can, if gamers can look past that and just talk to people that kind of just do know what they're talking about in these different things, um, they, they'll realize quite quickly that actually most most brands are to some extent playing on that response that they're giving, uh, but they're not really offering that much that food can't, let's say that. It's true, but you know, we let them because so many of us are always looking for a shortcut. It's, it's so much easier to just take this, this one thing that might make you better and to actually put in the hours, put in the work and actually get stronger or get better at your particular sport. So whilst all these brands are definitely encouraging this type of behavior, you know, they're playing on our natural instincts that we, we need, we want a shortcut, you know? Yeah. Um, now I wanted to ask you is, so a lot of professional esports players, uh, especially the ones who are rookies and are entering this kind of uh, environment, they're not necessarily responsible for their own nutrition, right? Like a lot of them, you know, live with their parents or they're part of teams that, provide them with uh, with food and what advice would you give to somebody like that right who they're not necessarily they, they, they want to change but then they're also kind of dependent on whether you know it's their parents or the team environment and what are some of the strategies that you think they, they could do like i know that as a, as a young person my mom would always make me dinner right and i had friends whose whose parents would you know, make them food, but it wasn't necessarily, you know, very healthy. It, it, it wasn't very good. What would you give? What type of advice would you give to a young, inspiring player like that? Yeah, um, it, it's a it's a huge problem. And if we look at childhood obesity, for example, how exactly, as a nutritionist, as the government, should we tackle that? And you're absolutely right. It's impossible to try and tell most kids what to and to not eat because ultimately they don't make the food buying decisions in the house. So you're absolutely right in directing the attention and the focus to the parents. And if it's coming from the kids, I think, or, or anyone really, that the best way to deliver the right message is to really just simplify this crazy, complicated industry for people. We've talked today about how there's just so much conflicting evidence there's so many conflicting pieces of advice no wonder the parents will just say oh to hell with it then i'm just going to buy this convenience meal because i don't know who to listen to so trying to simplify the message into is this real food and if it is you know will this be beneficial and usually the answer is yes or is this food super processed shouting at the top of its lungs about the benefits and I have to pay a, a premium of, you know, 50%, it probably isn't going to be that great. You know, it's, it's like you've got to become, or parents have got to become good at almost like the Sherlock Holmes of the food industry. They've got to work out what's going on here and can they look past the food labels and can they look past this and that and simplifying that message for, for parents to look, if it's real food, it's going to be beneficial. 
if it's fake or processed or in industrialized food, it's not going to be as beneficial. We could dive into each food category and it, you know, we'd have to write out this huge, long, crazy list about, okay, what food's good and what's not. But if you just categorize it into processed and unprocessed, then it should be enough of a, a law for parents to decide on their own which foods to pick up and put in the, the, the basket and which to try and leave out. Well, that's exactly what I wanted to ask you because studies show that just providing people with information and, and knowledge doesn't necessarily guarantee implementation. And um, so how do we get parents, um, decision makers to do this? Because it's, it's not enough to just provide, provide people with information, provide them with the knowledge, right? And even if the parents are not necessarily the ones who are responsible, whether the kid is responsible, but they're the ones who, they're not going to feel the effects of eating, you know, that shitty food until, you know, they're 10 years down the line. Like, how do we get, how as a society or as a government, how do we get, what sort of things can we do to kind of not only make them care, but to actually change their behavior rather than just provide information? Absolutely. I think it comes down to, again, the emotional response that people get from food. If we can focus our education on, most people aren't aware why they buy products. You know, most people think they buy products because it tastes good or because it delivers a benefit or it's convenient or whatever. It's not, it's because it, it gives you an emotional response. If you could tell parents that, like I said, they can make better decisions on their own. So um, it's, it's really not an easy question it's, it's a really tricky question because again, we're, we're fighting at parents and, and consumers. We're all fighting against these big brands that they know exactly what to say on their packaging to get you to buy it. But so do you actually, think, sorry to cut you off. Do you think this should be a government issue or do you think we should put pressure on these corporations to do something about it? Um, if it came from the government, which it really should, I'm not confident that they would deliver the right message because like I said, that they're, they're still offering terrible information to the public. They're still saying that, that fats are bad. They're still saying that carbs should be the, the biggest macronutrient in your diet. They're very still outdated. So I, I would struggle to understand how the, the government could make a big enough difference there. So it is really down to responsible brands and, and companies to, to really understand how their message affects consumers and you're, you're actually you're influencing a whole generation there so it's really difficult i think to answer your original question about how we can make it easier for parents and consumers to eat healthy which is ultimately what this is all about i think it's about making it like tearing down some of these barriers that exist and making it less of a massive jump between having a healthy diet and an unhealthy diet. It seems to be one or the other. And you've got this massive gap that we really need to find a way to bridge. So brands that are doing their best to offer replacements to foods that are purely about indulgence are doing a pretty good job. They're doing the best they can to break down that, that huge wall that we're facing that's stopping people from even, you know, buying health products if that makes sense and by health products i just mean real food gotcha and um on a similar topic right now in esports there's 
there's some um, organizations that actually do care about their players' um, performance and especially what they eat, you know, how much they sleep, etc. But most of them really do not. Um, most of them just care about the fact that, you know, they can provide them with, you know, two, three years of peak performance and then they're out of there. And so how do we convince these corporations and, and employers to actually invest in healthy snacks and better facilities for players? Is there enough scientific evidence to show that it's worth the money in the long term, as, especially with people quitting jobs more often in esports players not being pros for long? I think the average span of an esports player right now is about three, four years. Hmm. Yeah, and, and it makes you wonder, I guess, maybe the the causality behind that you know that's the whole chicken and egg it is is it that there's this short career lifespan because it's pretty well known that the culture of gaming is energy drinks lots of sugar poor quality food convenience focused food is that what's causing this lack of endurance i guess in the long run if you look at you know you look at cristiano ronaldo and and big athletes that take care of their physical well-being as naturally they do and have to because of their training their careers last you know a long time so it's it's asking questions like that i guess you know what causes what i have a pretty good idea i think you have a pretty good idea of what the causality is there i don't think there is enough research about it yet just just because as you have said it's you know it's an emerging space it's only recently seen rapid growth um there's not a lot of people that really know what they're talking about we can all hazard a guess but in terms of the solid research at least and you please tell me if i'm wrong but i haven't seen much of it have you no no i was i was i was hoping to ask you about this well, especially especially in these sports i mean this the, the research is, is so new there's there's hardly anything uh, on any given topic, just a handful of, of research papers specifically designed to that field. Um, but, you know, generally we can make a pre-educated guess that, you know, these things are definitely going to make a difference in a pro player's life. So you obviously lead a, a company that is kind of tackling this problem, right? You have a, you have a healthy snack, that that's that's available how how do you convince you know employers to invest in these sorts of things rather than oh i'll get this you know one pound buns from morrison's and just give them to players and they should be happy you know yeah yeah absolutely um it's becoming healthy snacking is an emerging space and it's seen rapid rapid growth in offices and and corporations with corporations literally buying healthy snacks for their employees to discourage them from snacking on really refined products that are quite traditional in an office setting, such as donuts, flapjacks, and, and chocolates, cakes. Actually, by replacing those traditional foods with healthy snacks, they do see the difference in productivity. It's very well documented that if anyone replaces trash food with real high quality good food not necessarily more expensive food but just high quality food with food that we recognized and we've evolved to recognize such as fruit and veg it's well known that that boosts productivity that boosts emotional well-being 
um, general health, risk of future disease. It, that is a very well documented field. So you, you could treat it very much in that analytical way, the same way that you would if, if you're leading a team of, uh, you're, leading, you're coaching a football team, for example, you want the absolute best out of that team's performance, both in their mental state, in their, in their physical performance. So you do everything you possibly can to, to help them. And for, for employees, it should be really treated the same way. You should treat your employees who are your team. They're, they're your competition. You know, they're the ones that are driving your business forward. They need to be at the absolute peak of their goal. And if they're having these crazy sugar crashes every 20 minutes, uh, I hate to say it, but caffeine as well. Um, it's a bit contradictory because I'm a bit of a heavy <laughs> coffee drinker. So I won't go there. But you've got to find ways of boosting your employees' performance and, and healthy snacking, giving your employees whole fresh veg and, and fruit will naturally have massive benefits because you're not only replacing the, the bad stuff, but you're giving them access to good stuff that they usually maybe wouldn't even have in their, in their household. Which, I mean, that's really well said, which, which makes it even more surprising that you hear all those horror stories of, you know, professional esports organizations who pay these players millions of dollars and then they would give them like a, you know, Mars bar for session. It's just like, dude, oh, you invested dude. millions of dollars into these players, but you're not providing them with proper nutrition, which is, it's just, it's, it's crazy. It's, it's a, it's a weird thing that's going on right now in the industry. It seems it's, it just must be because it's so new. Like if we were to try, if you were to do the same, again, throw that scenario into a, a different athletic situation i don't know a, like i go back to the football team if you were to get a sponsor such as unfortunately it's a terrible example because you do get sponsors such as mcdonald's sponsoring you know health events and stuff but that's just because of money but if you know, think about it in that respect it's it just makes it so conflicting and difficult but really esports should be very much the same you wouldn't feed your your football team this so why are you feeding your athletes that are in a different industry it's It's so hard, but it's just, I guess, because it's just so new that the research is still catching up. There's no one really, there's not many people in the space that are telling people about this. So yeah, it's, I guess it depends how welcome the information is at this stage of the, of, of development. Yeah. It's, it's, it's honestly so weird because uh, the, the, the biggest reasoning that I hear is that, oh, well, you know, like, what's the point of us investing all this money into this thing where this player is going to stay with us for only two, three years. It's not worth the money. We'll just get a new kid who's even better, you know, which yeah. is a really not a very good way of looking at it because then it's like, well, if you provided them with the right facilities, the right food and the right nutrition, you could keep this player at its peak for maybe five to 10 years time. Who knows? We, like nobody knows yet. Yeah, um, absolutely. Um, That's where I guess my, my knowledge of the industry just, just kind of fades away at that point. Um, so I'm sure you're probably more qualified to, to answer that, you know, like, is it a case of, do, do we, do you try as hard as you possibly can to tell coaches that, oh, it is really worthwhile to invest your energy and your resources in getting the right foods and the right coaching for these, these athletes to try and stick with you long-term or, You know, should they say, okay, well, we've got three years to make the most of you and then you're out of here. What is the right strategy? 
um, I don't know, but I'm sure we're going to find out <laughs> who will be monitoring the industry. Um, I wanted to kind of, you know, because you also had um, a, a bit of a chapter where you were a... Personal trainer? Yes, thank you. Personal trainer. Okay. You were a personal trainer. <laughs> That's where I was going. So I want to ask you, um, and I'm, you know, there's not that much research on this, but how do you think gaming practice should differ from traditional sports how, how should it be the same i think the, the the clearest problem with gaming and it's really no secret is that gaming compared to any other sport is pretty much sedentary you most of the time i'd imagine you were, you're sat down you're in front of a screen it's pretty common knowledge whereas in any other sport, you're at least up on your feet during training, during competition, and in the time surrounding, really. So that is the clearest problem that you face, is that actually athletes that do physical sports, they are looking after themselves by training. They're, they're killing two birds with one stone. They're becoming better athletes, and they're also looking after themselves. Whereas, to some extent, esports athletes will have to work extra hard because they're not doing that in training they they know that actually training in their sport is to some extent detrimental to the body so they've got to work that extra you know 10 20 percent to make sure they're counteracting the detrimental um effects to their health with making sure they've got the right routine in nutrition making sure they, they're getting off their ass whenever they can and even just going for a walk getting some blood pumping trying to get 200 steps every hour is a good start i'm not huge on just counting you know oh, get your 10,000 steps but actually it's more about that consistency of having nine or ten hours where you're not on your butt that's that's a huge one um but then it's making sure that you're you're cushioning either side of your training um and the time that you are sat by a computer in doing something that is going to stress your body and by stress your body i mean Go out there and do some physical sport you know go and play a game of badminton or wrestle with your friends or have a kick around go to the gym and and do a mixture of your, your weights training don't go crazy on weights training because it's not all great uh you know join up to a crossfit um box if you can get on a treadmill i'd say just anytime you're not sat down as a gamer make the most of it or, or you don't need to be sat down make the most of it and just get up and do something, work your body, stress your body in a different way. Yeah. So say I'm a gamer and I know that I should be doing something. Is there a particular activity that is better than another? Like, should I be doing strength training, calisthenics, cardio, yoga? Does it really matter? Or is it just a case of just, just get up and do whatever? Yeah. All of the above. Um, there's no, right or wrong way to exercise the if there is a wrong way it's by doing the same thing every time so i don't really agree and i really got into this culture uh working at a gym that when you go to the gym it's like great let's pick up some heavy weights and you know push them above my head or something and great i'm, I'm fit as a fiddle now that isn't great for your body but then neither is just spending an hour and you know walking or running on the treadmill actually you want to stress your body in as many different ways as possible to get those different adaptations 
you want to literally tire out your body in every and any way that you possibly can. For me, I don't like going on a treadmill and running. My body, for some reason, just doesn't respond to that, and I get so bored. So sport is 100% what I'd like to do in that time. So, yeah, I'd say that's there's, there's no right or wrong answer. If there was a wrong answer, it would be just doing one of them. I guess if there was a right answer, it would be doing as many as you possibly can of, of those that you just mentioned. Yeah, so I guess the, the most important thing is just choose one or two that you enjoy and, and, and do it. There's no point in you know, choosing this particular thing, like if, for example, lifting weights, just because that's what everybody else is doing. Just do something you enjoy because at the end of the day, it's not only supposed to be you know, something that does your body good, but, but also something that gives you a break from you know, your regular job as, as a gamer. Um, so totally. you've worked with athletes before. How, how important do you think is deliberate practice? Right, because we hear this term all the time where it, it, practice isn't, isn't the same, right? I could be just going to the park and shooting hoops as a basketball player, right? And I will not get as good as somebody who goes there and has regimen, right? They're like, I'm going to do 100 free throws, right? I'm going to kick the ball 100 times if I'm, if I'm a f footballer. and I'm going to practice penalty kicks. Um, how important do you think deliberate practices? And more than that, how can we make it exciting? Because that's the, that repetitive nature of a behavior, right? It's not necessarily something that's, that's very exciting, especially when you reach a very good level at a particular sport. Yeah, totally. Um, the benefit of it is that we all know that consistency pays off, right? If you, if you were to do 20 press-ups a day for a month, then you'd be better at press-ups at the end of it. You know, it's pretty clear. And it's the same with anything that you do. If you do a hundred free throws, you'll be better at free throwing at the end of the month. Um, so that's quite clear in terms of what the performance benefits are i think the the problem we all face whether it's in business or in your professional life or, or in sport is self-motivation i think uh, and understanding your structure and committing to it constantly so if you've got it drawn out and you're like you said deliberate about it and you say this is what i intend to do every day or every week of this month you're more likely to, to actually stick to it than if you kind of think up, you wake up on the day and you think, am I going to do this or am I not going to do this? Should I do 5K or should I do 10K? Am I going to do 10 throws or 20 throws? Like you can't rely on yourself enough to make the right decision. So pre-planning and sticking to a deliberate plan, definitely going to have way better benefits. Um, and remind me the, the last bit of the question you asked there. So how can you make it exciting, right? Because for a lot of people, they're just doing the one thing over and over again, right? So like you, for example, you play Counter-Strike and, you know, you, you try to practice this one particular map you're trying to master to see, kind of see the, the whole thing you're doing over and over and over again. How can you make deliberate practice exciting? What are some of the things that you would say? Yeah, um, I think a human trait for everyone is as you said competition and if you can find a way to to bring in metrics into your your training into your into your progress then you can you can build that competition against 
yourself and actually make it kind of fun. It sounds kind of silly and cliche, but we all love, you know, if you take us, for example, when we played FIFA, we love being competitive against each other. Yeah. Everyone loves competition, even if they end up raging, throwing the, the PlayStation remote out of the window, stomping on, on the floor. We still love it. We still go back to it. So if you can find a way to, to master that and, and find a bit of a loophole, which is to build that same competitive energy and channel it into improving yourself against your past self, then I think that, that will make it way more fun. But you'll have really cracked the code there because that's just unlimited potential, right? Yeah, 100%. And another thing that some athletes do, like um, in that Michael Jordan documentary, you know, people were making fun of the fact that Michael Jordan would just make up all these things in his mind that like, oh, the media is doubting me. People are against me. I need to prove them wrong, even though it wasn't necessarily true. Some athletes actually do that. They make up all these reasons in their mind. They're like, oh yeah, I am the underdog. I need to, you know, show up, show people up. And I think that's something that you should definitely utilize as well as what you said, like competition is so great. Even against yourself, you really don't want to be working against yourself right you don't want to be um working against the current of like oh my god just doing but because you think you have to and it's boring find a way to actually make it exciting and find a way to to make it enjoyable like you don't have to be fighting yourself right i guess um, it's like finding, finding that fuel sorry it's like you know everyone has got a fuel a, a reason to get up in the morning like you said, Michael Jordan, not many people knew that that was the thing that was fueling him. You know, they thought it was coming from a place of positivity. And then he gave that, that one crazy speech that he just called everyone out like that, that guy that took his space in the, in the, in the school team, yeah. he called him out and he had so much built up aggression that everyone was like, what? But <laughs> You know, he needed that because that's what made him elite. That's, that's what gave him that fuel to, to do those extra, you know, 100 three-pointers. I, I don't know. Like, he, you've got to find that fuel. Even if you've got to find it, make it, make up the story <laughs> about you or whatever, you've got to build up that fuel, I think. You're absolutely right there. So what's your fuel? What, what gets you up in the morning? Ooh, that's a good question. Um... There's a, there's a bunch of things. I think immediately the, the biggest thing is I, I'm quite self-critical in a way, which is a bit of a downfall. I think you're probably the same, Rob, but it also, it helps to some extent. And I'm always thinking, I'm always comparing myself to the past. I'm always comparing myself to like how I want to be in the future. And yeah, that it works in both ways. I compare myself to the past and I'll be like, oh, okay, I was such a goof back in that, you know, event that I did or whatever it was. And that will drive me to, to just work harder that day. But then it comes from that other direction where you're, you kind of, you got yourself this idea of you in the future and you're like, okay, well, I've got to work hard to be that person. Right. So I guess it's like a push and a pull at the same time. It mostly, the energy just comes as I'm sure everyone, everyone finds energy from somewhere. I'll, I'll take it from wherever I can get it to be perfectly honest. But those I think are the biggest two driving factors. Very what nice. Um, well, I, I think it, 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 it's different for everyone, but I think the, the most important thing is that 
you need to find that fire, right? You need to find that thing that motivates you because it, it is out there, right? Like a lot of people don't even stop to think about, oh, like, you know, what, what motivates me? You know, how can I motivate myself to do it? A lot of people just go through the motions and there's so many things out there that you could be like, oh, I haven't thought about that. Like, I need to work harder, you know? Like, I think a lot of people, you know, talk about being grateful and the fact that like, oh shit, I could die tomorrow, you know? That is a, that is a big one for me. Like, whenever I have, I don't know, like I listen to an emotional podcast or I watch a movie or something and, I, and it makes me kind of doubt, you know, just, well, doubt kind of highlight this fragility of life. And it's just like, oh, damn it you know like i I could die tomorrow man like i I need to i I need to really get get on my shit when you when you wake up in the morning and you you'll see it on facebook or the bbc or whatever but this this person that i don't know you're listening to his music the day before that suddenly you wake up and it's like ah juice world is dead and you're like what yeah are you really you just kind of think oh shit like, I need to do something today. I, I completely agree with you. Dude, and the, the worst part is now that, like, you know, we're we, we crossing these dangerous boundaries of getting closer to 30 than 20. Like, <laughs> it makes you realize when, like, celebrities or famous people that you look up to who are younger than you suddenly die. And it's just like, oh, crap. I'm older than that. That, that could be me yeah. next. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And then you ask all these crazy questions, like oh you know what have i done in my life and yeah 100% i think you can go a little bit too far down that road i mean i'm i'm no expert in this but um there's been times where i've i've let it just rule me you know the the whole idea that oh my i could die tomorrow and then like all these things i haven't done yet and all these people i haven't you know made up with or whatever it's like if you think like that that will ruin your life if you live to die tomorrow then you can people can take that in the wrong way 100 percent. they could they could took that as okay cool you know pass me that needle <laughs> i'm gonna get super wasted <laughs> yeah no exactly exactly and if you uh, can take that energy the way you did and the way you do then i think that's powerful absolutely yeah no and and it's a weird dichotomy between realizing that you could die tomorrow but also living your life as if you, you are going to live forever uh, because at the end of the day, like if you want to do something which you might be remembered by, you have to realize that it's a marathon. It, it's going to take time. So whilst you might die tomorrow, you have to live your life as if you, you will not to a certain extent, which is a weird yeah. thing. Yeah. And, and you've got to kind of remind yourself, it's like, okay, well, you're probably not going to die tomorrow. So actually that should be right at the forefront. It's like, yeah, I could die tomorrow, but if you're thinking like that, you'll just get into a massive panic state. Like, right, I'm going to buy a ticket to here and I'm going to spend all my money on this. And that can, that can cause chaos. Whereas if you just think about it as, yeah, life is short. You've got to be grateful for what you've got. Spend the time wisely. That, that should be enough, I think. I mean, I, this is way past me at this point. I, <laughs> my no, my I agree. opinion on this is very much just based on like conversations we've had in the and conversations I've had in my own head in the past but yeah just just don't let it rule you and I think yeah just like you said if you if you can use it to, to fuel your day great but don't let it rule that day which brings me nicely to my next question because we hear a lot about 
hustle culture these days. And, you know, this is not only, you know, in the, in your industry, like in business and stuff, but this is the case also in esports these days where these kids, they think that they need to play, you know, 12, 14, 16 hours a day in order to be the best. But that's not actually true, is it? Like you need to take breaks, right? How important is it to let your body recover? Even, even if you don't do physical exercise, but, you know, play games, we were not built to, to kind of, you know, do that thing for such an extended period of time. It's not really healthy, is it? No, no, absolutely. And the example I'm going to use is if I'm just, this is just going back to my personal trainer days, a huge, a question that you'd always ask is, or, or be asked is, um, okay, look, how do I build some muscle? And what I'd say to that person is, okay, focus less on the time you're spending in that session, lifting weights at the gym, stressing your body and focus more on the time after and also before there's when it comes to actually building muscle and recovering like that comes afterwards you don't build muscle in the gym you you stress your muscles in the gym and that puts you in a position where your your muscles can you know they can build and, and grow and if you kind of take that same example and apply it to gaming well you can you can burn through a lot of fuel and, and stress yourself and work yourself real hard and get better in what you're doing during that training time. But unless you're spending the time outside of the gym or gaming, doing something that's actually going to bring you back to that state of re recovery and um, putting yourself in a position where you can actually train again. It, I, I could never record. If you talk to Arnold Schwarzenegger, for example, if it was all about building muscle, uh, if, if if you want to build muscle, you know, it's all about the time you spend stressing your muscles, then everyone will be in the gym all the time. You shouldn't do that because that, you just burn your muscles out. You wouldn't have any muscles left. Uh, they wouldn't work. Gaming must be the same way. In my imagination, if you spend all that time intensely training and you don't counteract it with time that you're not training and, and that you, you know, you're always at that, in, in that hustle and that grind format, then yeah, you're gonna you're gonna waste away the same as those those muscles will. Yeah, and and it's also overtraining leads to injury, right? And it, and this is not you know something that's exclusive to physical athletes. Esports athletes get injuries all the time, right? Um, I mean, Ninja had that eye thing that he had for a while. Um, a lot of people you know get carpal tunnel, they get uh, you know wrist pain, and you know, taking a break and actually, you know, stepping back from gaming for a while, doing something else is a great way to avoid um, injuries. Um, and I think yeah. a lot of people need to realize that. So what would you say are some other tips that you could give for somebody who wants to have a long-term career in order to avoid these types of uh, injuries, not only taking a break, but I'm sure there's some other things that they can do that, you know, somebody who's young won't even realize, right? Because you need to care about not only your career, you know, in three months time, but also in three years time. Yeah. Well, this is like the perfect summary of everything we've said today is if you can find a way to combine each of these things, such as eating food that won't benefit you right now, but in the long run, 
will, will benefit your, your health and performance in the future. If you can get good sleeping patterns, you, you, you know, you're not focusing on spending those extra few hours training in the evening or, or playing games in the evening, but you're actually sleeping, then it may not help you straight away, but in the long run, it's going to help. If you can install an exercise routine that is consistent, as you said, you're building into this idea of sustainability. It may not help you immediately, but it's going to help you later down the line. So it's, it's hard to know exactly how to do that, I guess. Um, consistency, as you know, is the key, but it's, it's just bringing all those things that we've talked together, uh, talked about together, trying to install one habit change at a time, make it realistic for yourself, whether that's focusing on nutrition, whichever is probably the worst in your lifestyle right now, whether it's you don't move at all in day, well, then I'd focus on exercise. Maybe you drink 10 liters of Coke a day. Well, I'd probably focus on nutrition. If you get two hours of sleep, well, I'd probably focus on that first. But it's trying to install this idea and this culture in your life of putting your health first. And that will mean that you're like Cristiano Ronaldo. You're in it for the long game. How Cristiano Ronaldo has done it is he has been so regimented, so consistent throughout his entire career that he just his body just hasn't aged the same way that other people have. So there's so much that can be done with just lifestyle. That's very well said. And like the message home is know yourself, know what your body needs. Um, I would throw in that also one of the biggest factors for gamers, especially, is remember to do a warm up and do a stretch. Like it's it's not something that you you tend to think about even as you know people who are trying to make it as athletes warm up and cool down is the last thing of on their mind and it's actually something that's very important for injury prevention um so interesting yeah um so i got last couple questions for you uh quickly if you could make a cameo and appearance in any video game which would it be and why (laughs) uh that's a good question I think my favorite game of all time was Splinter Cell. <laughs> Do you remember that? No, I haven't. Well, I've, I know of Splinter Cell, but I actually haven't played it ever. Really? Oh, let me give you a quick rundown. Um, basically, you're in this like black morph suit. You're like this cool secret agent dude. It's like this awesome stealth game and nothing has quite matched it since like being in the you know, early PlayStation three years. And it's just freaking cool. You know, I was, I used to play it pretty young, probably younger than I should. And it was just everything I wanted to be in life. I was like, right, I need, I want to be, I want to be, I want to be the new Splinter Cell. So the dream is Rob to (laughs) one day, you know, write a nice letter to whoever it was that designed the game and, you know, ask to be one of the guys that's killed. I don't mind who it is. If I could just be in that game, that would be my life mission over. <laughs> Amazing. If, if, if anyone from Splinter Cell is listening, <laughs> it's, it, me up. it's, yeah, <laughs> Evolve Dom at, uh, at Instagram. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. And, and free snacks will be provided. We'll, we'll, sponsor, we'll, we'll sponsor the game, maybe. <laughs> maybe not. I don't know. <laughs> um, cool, man. Which leads me to the next question. When can we expect Evolved Snacks for gamers? Wow, that is a question. I, I can't say we've got a specific exclusive line coming out, but as we said, fruit and veg is 
vitally important to everyone's life, but particularly gamers that they, they really do depend on those whole nourishing foods to include in their diet. So I think the biggest problem and the barrier for most people eating fruit and veg is that it's just not convenient. You know, like it, it goes off quickly. It's impractical. It takes time to, to make a fresh fruit salad. And sometimes it doesn't even taste that great or it goes a bit brown and mushy. So yeah, I mean, I, I hate to give it the, the sales pitch, but evolved snacks, you know, it's a convenient way of eating fruit. So by all means, hit it up. Let's see what's going on there. No, I a hundred percent recommend it. You, you know, I, I, I love that product. And another thing, which is, well, many people don't actually think about it's for gamers. It's not only about convenient food, but it's also about food that won't make your fingers sticky. And I think that's one of the, the brilliant things about your packaging is the fact that you can eat fruit that's very dense nutritionally and you do not have to have those sticky fingers. You don't have to step away from the keyboard. You can just jump straight into it, right? Wow, that's genius. I really hadn't thought about that. I need to be uh, coming to you for the sales advice more often. <laughs> <laughs> no, but seriously, like it's, it's a great product. But for my last question, the one I'm planning on, you know, kind of asking to everyone who comes on a, on a podcast, how would you like to be remembered? Oof, now that, that's a real question to end on. Let me have a little think about that. How would I like to be remembered? I think even just being remembered at all is quite a, quite a privilege, to be honest. Um, I'm not expecting anyone to, to write any books about me. And that's, you know, that's perfectly fine with me. So if my friends and family remind me, uh, remember me as a guy that, you know, wasn't a massive dickhead and, <laughs> and you know, was most of the time a nice guy, that I think I'm, I'm quite content with that. You know, I don't, I don't want my expectations to be too high because that's not reality, but just, just a nice guy. How about that? Just being remembered as a nice guy. I'll take that. Very humble. Very humble indeed. Um, well, thank you so much for coming, Dom. Um, once again, it's uh, Evolve Dom on Instagram. Check him out. Um, let him know that you've seen the podcast. He was absolutely amazing. And we'll see you guys on the next one. Thanks so much, man. I had such a good time. Cheers, bro.